0: Turn with me, if you would, one more time. Is 19 unmuted? Uh, James chapter 3. Did I say that already? James chapter 3. We're going to read verses 13 through 18. If you were not here last week, I encourage you to get um, a copy of the message from the sound booth. This is part two of that message. And what we are speaking on is uh, the topic of strife. This is an important topic in Scripture, and in fact, in preparing these messages, I, I had forgotten exactly how many Scriptures in the Bible and how many places in the Bible that God dealt with this topic. He dealt with it over and over again. And therefore, it is very important to him that we get this right. One more time, get last week's because these two will go together and uh, they will be uh, you will understand exactly what uh, the Lord is trying to teach us. If you would, one more time, please bow your head. Everyone pray for me right now. Father, I thank you that we have this opportunity to share in your word together. And right now, Lord, I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to anoint me to preach the word to your people. Anoint our ears, Lord, to hear what you have to say today so that we can not only be hearers of the word, but doers as well. And I ask this in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Read along with me, please, beginning in verse 13. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking strife, in your hearts do not boast and lie against the truth. For this wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and strife or self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is pure and peaceable. It is gentle. It is willing to yield. It is full of mercy and good fruit. It is without partiality or hypocrisy. Now may the fruit of righteousness, or now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who will make peace. Everybody say amen to the reading of the word of God. One more time, the key scripture verse is verse 16 in the New King James it says, Where envy and self-seeking exist, there is confusion and every evil work. The word self-seeking there in the original was strife. So we will use strife. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 says this. Listen to this one as well. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, Are you not carnal? How many can see that's a serious question that Paul is asking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? And are you not behaving like mere men? In other words, like unredeemed people. The word carnal there is a a word uh, in the Greek, and what it means is, is the domain of our fallen nature. So when someone is carnal, they are living more for human opinion than they are for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly what it means to live carnally or to be carnally minded. And so what this scripture verse tells us is this, is that when we allow strife in our lives, the first thing it produces are probably what produced the strife was pride in our heart. Is everybody listening to me this morning? And many times when we allow ourselves the opportunity to get into strife, we actually can believe that we are walking in truth, even though we may actually be deceived. I want you to understand something. Scripture tells us that self-deception is the worst kind of deception. And so this is very important that we hear what God is saying. What He's saying to us today is, is that our pride will convince us that we are right and therefore justified when we choose to fight and to argue, and to become angry. This is exactly what God is telling us. Many times we reason, well, I'm standing for the truth, as if that gives us the right to not live our lives the way that God told us to live our lives. Remember this. Pride and deception will always go together. Everybody say that with me. Say, pride and deception always go together. Now I have you repeat that because your ears believe what your mouth says more than anyone else. And you need to hear yourself agreeing with God. How many of you here today will admit to times of believing with absolute certainty that you were right and you ended up being wrong? Hasn't it happened to all of us? Amen or oh me, that's correct. 2nd Timothy chapter 2 verse 24 says, "and a servant of God." And as Christians, isn't that what we're supposed to be, servants of the Lord? Amen. Is that right? Says, "a servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome. They should be gentle to all. They should be have the ability to teach or be taught." And above everything else, they should be patient. How many heard what I said? That means patient with one another. How many of you know that if God says, as Christians, we're not supposed to be quarrelsome, then we shouldn't quarrel? Is that right? This is very important that we grasp what God is saying here. Now, pride, on the other hand, always and almost desperately wants to look intelligent. Are you with me? <laughs> and in our desire to look intelligent, sometimes we can really look ugly. In fact, you may gain the upper hand in an argument or a dispute, but the fact is, you didn't win. The only winner was the devil. Why is that, Pastor Ron? Because when you chose to get into an argument, to a dispute, when you insisted on having your own way, You opened the door to the devil through strife. I I have come to learn that many times, because of a poor self-image, many people try desperately to improve a poor self-image by being right. A lot of times it's inadequacies within ourself that causes us to have to want to argue and quarrel and prove our point. Are you with me today? Now this is the absolute truth. And so you and I are subject to this error because of our human frailties. How many of you know that? Our need to be right is almost as strong as our need to be loved. Oh, Pastor Ron, I don't need to be loved. Stop fooling yourself. Most people live their lives in an attempt. To make other people love them. Another word is accept. Accept them. And right next to that, that's number one. That's the number one weakness in many people's lives. that, That the second weakness is they need to be right. And let me tell you, none of us are immune to this. Not a single one of them. That's why God wrote so much in His Word about this. Somebody say, I hear it. We need to get to the place in our lives where our identity is rooted and grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing else. And if we will receive this message today, this message will set us free in our lives. Free to do what, Pastor Ron? Free to fulfill everything in your life that God has called you to do and be. How many wants to be everything God wants them to be? See, I know you think the U.S. Army came up with that saying first, but God did. (laughs) Our worth and our value does not come from being right. It comes from the fact that Jesus loves us. Did you get that? That's a profound truth, by the way. He loved us so much that he was willing to die for us, die in our place. He loved us that much because that's what it took to bring us into a personal relationship with him. See, it's not enough to know about Jesus. That's religion. But knowing Jesus in a close, personal, intimate relationship is Christianity. Jesus did not come to earth to establish another religion. He came to earth to establish the way of truth. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father except through me. And anyone that tries to come by any other means is no better than a thief or a robber. In other words, is no better than a common criminal. Are you listening to me today? When Jesus presented himself to us, Those of us who have a personal relationship with him understood that we needed him in our lives and what he was offering. We were sinners and there was nothing that we could do about it. Only Jesus could fix it. And see, he saved us from our sins. And then once we're saved from our sins, he wants to become the Lord of our life. That's why when you see in Scripture, Savior and Lord go together. How many of you know there's a lot of people willing to make Him Savior, but nowhere near as many are willing to make Him Lord? How many understand what I'm talking about this morning? And the Bible says He has to be both Savior and Lord of your life. Somebody say amen. There is no true spiritual power with God, according to Scripture, without unity or harmony. The only way you and I or any church or uh, any family is going to have the power of God operating in it is if we are walking together in unity. And strife destroys unity. God's power through the Holy Spirit came to the church on the day of Pentecost. How many read that? We've studied that. Why did God's power come into the church and actually the church was born on the day of Pentecost? And the Bible tells us clearly why that happened that day. It says, because they were all joined together in one mind and one accord. Amen. They were in unity. There was no strife among them. Are you with me today? And throughout the book of Acts. This is proclaimed over and over and over again. If you've never done a study on the book of Acts, you really need to do it. And you will understand the prerequisite for operating with God's power in your family and in your life and in this church. Somebody say amen. So what am I saying to you this morning? I'm saying to you today, and I believe that God would have me say this to you, that the power of the church in America, even our church, has been lessened because sometimes we are split into so many factions with so many different opinions that the Holy Spirit cannot work. You see, I'm, I'm not making this up. This is something that I believe God has laid upon my heart to deliver to you. And every point of every sermon that I'm making, I'm making with Scripture. So it's not my opinion I'm giving to you, it's God's opinion. How many of you know opinions are like belly buttons? Everybody has one. Right? But it's God's opinion that counts. Not ours. I can state with absolute certainty today that factions in the church are wrong. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. I'll prove it to you. and It doesn't matter what kind of a faction it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's read verses 10 through 17. The Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said this. Now I plead with you, brethren, who is he talking to? Everybody say the church. Christians or the church. By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. He was writing this to the Corinthian church, and he found out there was divisions there. Now I say this, that each of you says that I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Peter, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided, Paul asks was Paul crucified for you or were you b- baptized in the name of Paul? He's using himself here because he was the founder. He was the, uh, he w- this church was under his apostolic authority. I thank God that I baptized none of you except the two that he names, lest any of you should say that I have baptized you in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made, made of no effect. Now, first of all, Paul was not against baptism. Everybody look at somebody and say that. That is not what this passage of Scripture is about. This passage of Scripture is about divisions in the church. And he's proving a point to them through the fact that he had baptized very few of them. And he was telling them that it was wrong. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, Paul told the Ephesian church, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And verses 2 and 3 say, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love and endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is the Word of God. So once again, I can state with absolute certainty that division in the church then is sin. Are you with me today? We need to understand this and we need to know this because if we do not grasp the truth that God is teaching us, we are never going to operate where God wants us to operate. How many of you know that it's God's will for you to prosper and be in health? Even as your soul prospers. And so the, the blessings of God will not come to a divided house. That's what I'm teaching you today. The early church lived in unity. Therefore, they operated with great power. Many today say, well, where are the miracles that the early church experienced in the church today? If the church of today would walk in the same unity that the church in the Bible walked in, we would see all of those same miracles taking place in our midst as well. That's what I'm teaching you today. Philippians chapter 2 verse 2 says, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, and being of one accord and of one mind. You want to be pleasing to the Lord? You want to be a joy to Him? Live your life the way that God told you to live it. Somebody say amen. This power that the early church had then is still available to us. I know some of you here may have heard differently. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus said the same works that I will do you will do also. And that if we would follow Him and obey Him, we would do mighty works and wonders. In fact, He said He would send the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders to confirm His Word when we are walking as we should. That's a promise. How many are with me today? How many are glad you were here already for this? Amen. Selfish ambition or conceit is wrong. Philippians chapter uh, 2 verse 3, right after what we just, I just quoted you, says, Do nothing. What does that leave out? That's right. Do nothing because of selfish ambition or conceit and learn to esteem others better than yourself. In other words, it doesn't matter whether you're right or not. Don't argue about it. That's what he's saying. Esteem them better than yourself if we will remain obedient to the Holy Spirit when the opportunity for strife comes the Bible tells us that God will lead us into peace rather than into turmoil let me ask you this how many of you in here this morning have all of the peace in your life that you want I don't see a single hand going up. How many would like more peace in your life? Can I see your hand? How many would like more peace in your home? On your job? Amen. Amen. In your church? Amen. Why, Pastor Ron? Because where the peace of God is. It's just the opposite of strife. The good things are present. The other good things are present as well. But where the spirit of strife is, every other evil will be present there too. Scripture, people. How many of you believe God knew what he was saying? The Bible is the word of God. The Bible says, tells us, God told us himself in the Bible that this scripture was given to us and it's profitable, right? It's profitable for reproof, for correction and instruction in our lives. And so when we're preaching something from the pulpit, we should receive it as a word from God if it's directly from his holy scriptures. Somebody say amen. Oh, Pastor Ron, aren't you being conceited? No. I'm God's mouthpiece when I believe that I'm speaking, or when I am speaking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and I'm, and I'm presenting to you truths from His Word. Paul issued all of these instructions to the different churches. And if we are going to live in harmony we are going to have to make allowances for one another. We're not all of the same personality type, right? I don't know if any of you in here have ever done any uh, study in the area of uh, personality types. There, There are four main personality types. And all four of them rub the other one the wrong way. <laughs> but we can get over that. How many are listening to me? And so, in fact, I, I'm, uh, I, I did a personal study of myself and my personality type. I am a caloric with a strong secondary melancholy. I'm just giving you what I am so that you can know, you know. And there's study, these are studies you can do for yourself. By the way, that's the worst combination that there is. So I really have to work at it. How many are listening, you know? That What we're talking about then is the love walk. Amen? And the love walk is very important. When we're walking the love walk, we will not always be looking for fault in someone else. Amen? I believe Jesus said something like this. Try to get the beam out of your own eye, right? Before you try to get it out of your brother's. Amen? And so how many of you know that most of us have enough faults in our own lives that it it will be a full-time job if we just work on that? Amen? And I'll tell you this too. Other people really don't appreciate it when you try to work on theirs. This is the truth. And the more we work on ours, the less we'll want to work on others anyway. See, that's the way God made us. What's that mean, Pastor Ron? That means when we are controlled by the Holy Spirit, our flesh will not try to please itself. We will be trying to please God. How many of you know our flesh or our carnal nature always wants its own way? Now, many of you seen the little children, the precious little children in here. How many of you know? You know, we, uh, I, I mean, I know moms especially, they, they, they get all mushy about the little babies and they think that little baby loves them. A little baby doesn't have the ability to love. But they sure have the ability to tell you what they want. <laughs> How many of you remember the sleepless nights? Right? When, when they need their diaper changed. When they need another bottle. Right? Right? And if we're not careful, that doesn't get a whole lot better when they start getting older. Are you with me this morning? How many are with me today? Okay. Strife then. Most of the time is the result of selfishness. I'll say it one more time. Strife, 75% of the time in our lives is the result of selfishness. We're striving to please ourselves. And when we're living to please ourselves, we're not walking in unity and harmony like Scripture teaches. You and I are supposed to be willing to forgive quickly and frequently according to the Word of God. If you have a problem with someone, if someone has offended you, and it happens. The person you should talk to about that before anybody else is that person. If you're angry with me about something, and people do get mad at the preacher, I'll just tell you that you know, from time to time. Before you go talk to anybody else, you should come and talk to me. And if you don't, the Bible says you're in strife. Is this clear enough for you? If we would try to work at this, if we would be obedient to Scripture, if we would be generous in mercy and long-suffering as Jesus said, we wouldn't have half the problems that we have today. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 says, Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Isn't that good? How many wants the God of peace and love to be with you? Peace brings the Lord on the scene. Strife brings the devil. It's our choice who we cooperate with. In the the Gospels, Jesus told us that he came that we might have peace and that we might have it more abundantly as well as life. Amen? Life and peace, right? He said, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. So let not your heart be troubled, and don't be afraid. So don't walk around troubled, and don't walk around in fear. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, one more time, says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is faithful if we will be obedient to Him. God is not pleased or satisfied if we are not listening to Him. I I love Proverbs. Anybody in here ever do a study of Proverbs? In fact, I'm I'm going to encourage you. You know, that should be one of your daily readings. Read a proverb every day of your life. They were written by God for us to help us just with practical matters in our life. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 1 says, Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife amen is it up behind me now does anybody need me to clarify what that says that's pretty clear isn't it proverbs chapter 15 verse 17 says better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred Amen? Are you with me? Strife will rob us of our power. And let me tell you this as well. Strife will also rob us of our prosperity, according to Scripture. How many are with me now? Come on. Many of us, believe that it's God's will for us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. God wants to prosper us. But we cannot walk in prosperity, and that means, I'm not just talking about monetarily, I'm talking about every area of our life. If we're walking in strife, all of the promises of God are contingent upon our response to them. And if God said something, He expects us to be obedient. Amen? We are told by God that He is faithful to His promises. But that Christians must learn how to get along with one another. That, again, was it back there in 1 Corinthians where we read it. Jesus said that we should come together in agreement... And that if we would do that, when we pray, we could have what we ask for. Do you believe that? Does everybody believe that? If you will be in agreement with one another. In fact, I'll tell you this, the prayer of agreement is one of the most powerful forces on planet Earth that we have. But when we walk around in strife, always needing to be right, contrary, we're never going to have God's blessings. I have known people in my lifetime as a minister and it appeared that they were doing everything right. to prosper. But they still weren't prospering. And that used to somehow or another it would it would just uh, it would bother me and I would pray about it. And I believe that God showed me one time that it was because of strife. Many times. If we will get the strife out of our life, out of our home, and out of our churches, we would become what God wants us to be. And everybody would know that we were His and that His blessings were upon us. Are you listening to me this morning? How many believe it's important to hear this message today and then to practice it in our lives? There is no power in our prayers when we join hands and bow our heads together if we have been at odds with one another all week long. We can come together in church. You know, how many of you know that most of us have a church face? Oh, Pastor Ron, don't say that's the truth. I mean,. You could have been on your way to church this morning. Maybe had a minor traffic altercation or something like that. And somebody waved at you with one finger. (laughs) Instead of the whole hand. And you may have responded, Oh, look at that. Wasn't that, I'll just pray for him. And then when you pulled into the parking lot and walked up the steps of the church, you may have still been angry. I don't know who that jerk thinks he was. But as but soon as you walked through the door, oh, praise God. I, you know. Good to see you this morning, brother. How many are listening to me? How many know I'm telling the truth? we're either going to hear the instruction of God or we're not. Amen? As the leader of this church, it is my responsibility to deal with those under my authority who are walking in strife. And if I find out about it, I will deal with it. You ask anyone here. Why? Because I believe strife in the church will kill a church. You remember Abraham, God gave us a very, very good example in scripture. Father Abraham and his nephew Lot were living together. By the way, these are two of the richest men on planet earth at that time, if you don't know the history. They had huge families and entourages. And where they were living, they began to tax the land that they were living on. So God spoke to Abraham and told him what to do. And what did Abraham do? He went to his nephew. Now, as the uncle, as, as the senior, he had a right to pick what he wanted but Abraham said, I'll just trust you, Lord. He went to Lot and he said, You know what? There are there's problems developing between our families. And he said, Why don't you pick your area? You go one way and I'll go the other. So naturally Lot picked what he thought was the best. And Abraham was obedient and followed God. Amen. How many of you know Lot ended up getting in trouble? And Abraham enjoyed the blessings of God. In fact, he's referred to by by God himself as the father of faith. Amen? Because he always trusted God. Selfishness will always lead to problems. What do you mean by selfishness, Pastor Ron? I mean self-will. When you always have your well being in your mind. When God told us to prefer others above ourselves, He meant exactly that. We don't even have to be concerned with ourselves if we are walking in obedience to God. Why? Because God said our obedience would bring His blessing. And that he would open up the windows of heaven and pour out upon us blessings that we would not have room to receive. Now, let me ask you this How many more blessings do you need than that? Are you listening today? Abraham sowed peace, and he reaped peace and prosperity along with it. Somebody say amen. How many of you believe God wants to take care of you? Okay, a few of you. How many of you believe God wants to take care of you? Okay, that's better. Let me tell you something today. Are you here? Everybody, everybody do like this so you hear what I say. Okay. God wants you to retire from self-care and put your faith and trust in Him. Did you get that? King David was a man after God's own heart and he learned this as well. The 23rd Psalm is one of the most quoted scriptures in, in, in the world. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. How many heard what I just said? Right? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. And thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Everybody say, I heard that. You know, there was a king chasing David at that time trying to kill him. He had to hide in caves and everything else just to escape with his life. Does it sound like he was worried? Does it sound like he had his faith and trust in the right one? People, that was Old Covenant. That was under the law. We're under grace. We're under the new covenant. Our promises are even better and more secure according to God's own word. If we will get this right, David went on to say at another place, call upon the name of the Lord and he will answer you. He will be with you in times of trouble. He will deliver you and he will honor you. Don't argue. Give it to God. That's what King David said. How many of you know King David's own men wanted him to take matters into his own hands? That king that was chasing him came into the same cave where David was hiding. In the back of the cave. He didn't even know he was there. He laid down and went to sleep. David could have walked up there and killed him. And one of his men that was with him says, now's your chance. Go get him. And David said, I won't do that. I'm going to let God take care of this problem. Amen? Amen. That's right. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Put no confidence in your flesh. All your faith and trust belong in God. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you when it's time. The great apostle Peter wrote that. Amen? Amen? When we refuse to take care of ourselves, it will produce humility in us and it will increase our faith and place us in God's hands, and He will exalt us when it's time. Another word for exalt there promote. You may even be on your job and need a promotion. Don't promote yourself. Trust God, and he will promote you. Stand to your feet this morning. How many of you know that without faith, it's impossible to please God? Abraham, when he made that decision, God told him, he says, you know what, Abraham, fear not. I'm your shield and your reward. In fact, your reward is going to be exceedingly great. How many of you would like God to look down right now into your life and say, You know what? If you will live by this word, your reward will be exceedingly great. Well, I got news for you. He has. He said, All of the promises of Abraham are yours when you are in Christ Jesus. Everybody say, All leaves nothing out. All the word of the Lord is perfect, and his ordinances are true and right. By them we are warned, and keeping them, there is great reward. Amen? I don't know how many scriptures I've given you today. I think dozens. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, I've delivered the message that you've given me to deliver today. And Father, I pray right now that every person under the sound of my voice, would know and realize that this is a very serious matter. Lord, I'm reminded right now that you said, surely there is a reward for the righteous. And so, Father, I pray that every one of us would not get caught up in the struggles of life, but that we would learn how to trust you. And Lord, that any problems that do arise, that we would handle them properly. That we would do what's right. And when we do what's right, we would know in our heart that you're going to take care of us. Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name for every person under the sound of my voice, who will hear this either here this morning or by tape or CD. Lord, I pray that every person would just accept what you are trying to teach us today. And Lord, that if we would just be obedient, that all of the frustration, all of the quarrels, all of the fights, we just turn them over to you. And that we would see your peace reign in our lives is my prayer today. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and people not looking around. Before I dismiss, I would like if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior and Lord. Maybe you know about him, but you really don't know him. I would count it a privilege and an honor to pray the prayer of confession and repentance with you this morning. If there's one person here that would like to pray with me, would you raise your hand this morning? This is an invitation that I have to give because I don't ever want anybody to go out and say, Pastor Ron didn't give me a chance. How many Christians here this morning believe you've heard the Word of God? Can I see your hand? Are you glad you were here? Would you pray this prayer with me then, please? Say, Heavenly Father. I am grateful for your Word. Thank you, Lord, for challenging me. I receive this Word today. and I'm asking now now, Holy Spirit Spirit, come and help me me to walk in this truth truth every day day of the rest of my life. life. Lord I want to be pleasing to you. I want want your prosperity prosperity in my life and life and and in my family and I know that by making, by making the choice this morning, this morning to obey you, to obey you I, will I will have those things. I ask all of this now, I ask all of this now in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. amen. Give him praise, people.